0: Welcome to the Global Medical Device Podcast, where today's brightest minds in the medical device industry go to get their most useful and actionable insider knowledge direct from some of the world's leading medical device experts and companies. The medical device industry is built on continuous improvement. And that's not just for devices. It means for the people building those devices. Greenlight Guru Academy is the ultimate resource to learn and grow for medical device professionals. From quick practical lessons to comprehensive certifications, you'll learn everything you need to know to keep up with the medical device industry. Visit www.greenlight.guru forward slash academy today to start learning the skills for tomorrow. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. My name is Etienne Nichols. I'm the host of today's episode. In today's episode, we speak with Daniel Kraft on the topic of the future of healthcare. We covered a lot of ground. We talk about things like the possibilities within med tech, health tech, and the need to start integrating across platforms to really allow doctors a holistic view of unique patient data so that we as an industry can transition from sick care to healthcare. We also talked about how to become a digital donor, what that even means, and uh, where you can go to learn about all the wearable technology as it relates to your field or discipline of medicine or the discipline of your device itself and much more. Daniel Kraft is a Stanford and Harvard-trained physician, scientist, innovator, and investor with over 25 years of clinical research, biotechnology, and entrepreneurial experience. He's the chair of medicine at Singularity University and founder and chair of Exponential Medicine. I could go on and on about it. Daniel Kraft. He's really impressive. He's given six TED and TED Med Talks. He's the inventor of the FDA-approved marrow miner and founder of RegenMed Systems, a clinical stage medical device company developing tools to enable regenerative medicine. This was also interesting to me. He was a military officer who served for 14 years as a flight surgeon practicing aerospace medicine in the California and Massachusetts Air National Guard with F-15 and F-16 fighter squadrons. So he's also the host of Healthy Conversations, a podcast with CVS Health, and he's been featured on CNN for his idea of bringing a 3D printed pill to the market. I heard him talk at a conference and I loved his talk. I chased him down and he was just trying to get into his Uber and I convinced him to get on the podcast with me. So this was a conversation I've really been looking forward to. So I hope you enjoy this episode with Daniel Kraft on the future of healthcare. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Global Medical Device Podcast. This is Etienne Nichols, host of the show. Super excited to be speaking with Daniel Kraft uh, today. How are you doing, Daniel? I'm great. Good to be with you. Yeah, good to good to be with you as well. So I was talked to a few different people, you know, about you recently. Tori Smith, CEO of Indiatics, he called you the Grandmaster of Digital Health, and I wondered, <laughs> I don't know, that's, I wondered if you could maybe tell us a little bit how you got to be such kind of a, an iconic figure in digital health.
1: Boy, I. I'm not sure I would ascribe that term to myself, or that I'm iconic in the field. First of all, I mean, digital health, like anything else, is a—it's a bit of a buzzword. I mean, what does it really mean? I think of the word digital health, mobile health, connected health, and let's we'll just call it health. You know, the sort of emerging ability to connect the dots between medical devices, data, omics, public health, and then to take that sort of data feed, whether it's from your wearable or your implant or your connected home or your, you know, your sewage water (laughs) and (laughs) make that relevant to a a patient, a consumer, a clinician, healthcare system. Uh, And so it's a pretty broad space, right? And some people think about it in the realm of, you know, wearables or apps. And I think more about digital health as sort of this interconnectivity layer to make healthcare smarter, more intelligent, a learning engine. Uh, and much more, you know, tunable and personalized on the user interface (UI/UX), and to sort of enable us, big picture, to start to crowdsource some of the data and insights to really move the needle in, in improving prevention, diagnostics, therapy, to mental health and, and, and beyond. So, uh, how I sort of got here, wherever that might be, might be, you know, because I've always, I always was a gadget guy. You know, I, I think I had all those. Hamishler, Schmellischer, all those magazines that have gone away when get all the gadgets. <laughs> yeah. I was one of their uh, early users. Uh, I, I, I've always, in medicine, since I trained as a traditional physician scientist, uh, always like to look at things through the lens of, you know, why are we doing it this way? and How might we do it better? And that happens not in any one silo or bucket, but at the interface of fields, from sensors and omics to now blockchain and VR and drones and to psychedelics. And so it's at the interface where things get interesting. And so I've had an interesting journey over the last maybe 12 or so years, uh, having done the traditional medical academic research lab and startup and investment world as well, kind of becoming a bit of an accidental futurist. I uh, served as the chair of medicine for Singularity University since it started. I built and run a program called Exponential Medicine, which is on exponential technologies and how they're reshaping healthcare. And I've been involved in XPRIZE and coming up with health-related prizes. So I like things at the X at the cross point. <laughs> and I think digital health broadly is sort of at that sort of space where it often connects the dots between med devices and pharma and robotics and, uh, you know, hospital to home and all the sort of emerging areas that have been catalyzed during the pandemic as, as well.
0: I love that you actually have the medical device background as well. So, I mean, even going through the traditional and then having worked with medical devices, now you have, at least it seems, you know, just having talked to you in the past, you kind of have a a more of a panoramic view of a lot of the digital things that are going on, whether it's wearables or, you know, all these different things. Since our audience is a very primarily medical device, I'm curious, as people are developing these devices, is there any kind of advice you could give them as far as how can you make that a symbiotic relationship with all the other things that are in the field so that, you know, when you join that internet of medical things, you know, what, what kind of advice do you have for those developers? Well, I think as you're looking at your, the problem you're trying to solve and the
1: audience and the regulatory and reimbursement and other landscapes, obviously you want to always solve for a key pain point. Actually, I got my sort of medical device start as a bone marrow transplant fellow at Stanford. I was part of the very first cohort at Stanford Biodesign which is a well-known platform, very focused on med devices, and the the pain point I was trying to solve for uh, as a transplant fellow was harvesting bone marrow, doing hundred plus punctures and under an, in an hour in the operating room. And I came up with a medical device called the Mara Miner. Here's a little version, part of it, the, the rotating flexible sort of shaft, kind of like a, a rotor router for harvesting bone marrow. And that device doesn't need a lot of connectivity on the digital side, but at least got me in the space of being able to build something physical and think about getting it through all the regulatory paths, which it now is through trials and is a way to get better, faster, cheaper, easier stem cells out of patients for bone marrow transplant or beyond. And that sort of device probably doesn't have a lot of digital layers to it, except for maybe tracking and the fact that you can do earlier, easier prototyping with digital tools. But I would say when I would be talking to a device entrepreneur, you know, think about what are the, what are the cross points uh, you want to be looking at. Everything from you know how the product is being used, uh, and that could be a, a censored device, or now using non-censored elements. Cameras now can pick up movements and other elements. If you're trying to see how it's used in the real world, a lot of now, of course, you know, device meets software meets sensors meets data meets insights. How how might you embed some sort of sensing technology that gives you insights in terms of how it's being used or outcomes or other other measures? Even surgical devices from hip implants to knees can have sensing elements that may not be required for the end stage product, would be useful in in development. And then, how might you uh, take some of the data from that software meets medical device meets hardware and glean not just data from, let's say, an, an implanted defibrillator? You know, the data is the oil, but you want the insights and the actionable insights. How do you translate? Data to insights that are actionable by the clinician, by the patient, by the healthcare system. And, you know, bigger picture, now that medical devices fit into the larger ecosystem, how do you get them sourced and how does the clinician have them in their formulary and maybe be able to personalize and adapt them? So those are a few high level pieces. Yeah. I think most every medical device can have some sort of digital layer to it. it. It gives a bit of a new lens, particularly when you start to blend. The sort of software layer with AI, with big data, with machine learning, it means you know some old school things could be repurposed or cross fertilized.
0: You kind of make me think of something that you you mentioned earlier about being a futurist. When you talk about, and I'm going to borrow a phrase that I've heard you say before: intermittent sick care is where we kind of are, or maybe have been. We're moving towards continuous healthcare with a lot of the different data and the ability to utilize all of that data in a good way. So I'm curious. Going back to the futurist thing, what do you think the future is going to be like? With uh, you know, if I'm able to use where my aura ring, my whip strap, and kind of do my own self assessment, what does that look like for the physicians? And you know, what's that interaction looking like? I think it's more of a nowist than a futurist. A
1: lot of this technology that famous quote the future is already here, just not evenly distributed. And a lot of it is already here, it just maybe isn't always cross connected and leveraged with incentives and payment models. And you know, we're still stuck. For God's sakes, using fax machines and DVDs to communicate in many medical facilities. But I would say to your sort of reboot your point, we do practice more sick care. That's where the incentives lie. It is still today very much based on intermittent data that's usually only collected in the four walls of the hospital or the ER, or the ICU, or when you go in for your you know annual visit. Um, and that leads to our, our kind of reactive mindset. We tend to wait for the problems to Land in our emergency room, the heart attack, the stroke, the late stage cancer. And big picture, especially device and sensor and data driven now, is this era of continuous sensing. It could be from your wearable, from your ring, your watch, your underwearable. It's increasingly coming from our smart connected homes, cameras, voice as a biomarker, um, uh, Wi Fi. You know, connected homes can now pick up everything from behaviors to sleep patterns to, to falls. Uh, to your smart connected speaker. So now we have continuous digital exhaust that can be collected whether we like it or not. Even, you know, we're talking through uh, the magic of Zoom. There's a camera on both of us. That could be picking up our vital signs. It could be looking at changes in our voice compared to our baseline. So I think where we're going to end up going, whether we like it or not, <laughs> is uh, being able to collect our digital exhaust and make sense of it in context. And say, you know, uh, Frédienne or Daniel, your ba- our lines might be quite different And what's most interesting is not what my blood pressure is now and my heart rate and my weight on today's date, but what is that in context of my past and where I might be compared to others? And has it changed in some remarkable way that might show there's a predilection to some medical issue happening downstream? And can we pick that up early and do something about it? So that shift to early notification, kind of the synthesis of having your own personal check engine light, like a car has from 500 plus sensors that's using software to tell you when the light goes yeah. on. that hopefully be drives you to action, right? If you keep ignoring your check engine light and you blow your gasket or you haven't replaced your tire, then you'll end up might be paying the price heavily. And I think we're gonna enter this new era where we're starting to see already emerge where our connected devices and the smart insights can be hyper-personalized, not just to give you that flashing check engine light, but to communicate that to you way that really makes you take action It might be micro actions over long periods of time for proactive health span and longevity all the way to like, yeah, get to the emergency room uh, right now. So,
0: yeah, I think that's a good answer. That makes sense. I can see that already in some of the things that I've experienced. I guess the flip side of that is, you know, the pendulum always swings one way or another. I've talked to a few different medical students, medical, just some different physicians. And one of the complaints that I hear that they've told me that they hear some uh, patients get is that maybe an increasingly common p- complaint is that the physician chooses not to touch the patient during a physical exam. For example, I'm curious what the pros and cons are maybe even a physical touch. Are we removing that too much or is it, I don't know, but what are your thoughts on the, the other side of digital health? Well, we
1: want to blend sort of the art of medicine, the beautiful, you know, the human components, the touch, the eye contact, uh, with the technological, um, Abraham Burghese is a well uh, known physician, uh, educator, uh, at Stanford who, you know, has been, making sure medical students there still know the art of how to do a proper physical exam, palpation, you know, not relying on the pocket ultrasound uh, or the AI enhanced EKG or MRI machine to diagnose the neurologic condition. So, and there's something very therapeutic in the human uh, physician or clinician experience, right. That the art of the touch, uh, that the relationship often drives, uh, you know, the word adherence or a, a compliance to taking the meds and you, you're you going to do that for Dr. Kraft and he's going to really want to show how you're doing. I may, as a clinician, text my patient, even if it's not me, if it's my chat bot doing it autonomously, that makes them feel more connected and more likely to stay on top of their blood pressure meds or statins, which they can't feel the effect of. So I think we need to make sure that these technologies enable better care, don't get in the way, but can be used in smart ways to augment the virtual physical exam. And we certainly have seen a big uh, enablement of that, catalyzed by the pandemic and virtual visits. Um, but to keep that human component, and arguably, as we go to this now more virtualized or blended age, uh, uh, virtual visits will not be as boring as a Zoom call. They may end up in our holographic uh, glasses, or you know, the Apple eyeglasses which are rumored to come out in 2023. So we're quickly entering not just the 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 metaverse but the the metaverse M E D metaverse which will be kind oh, of nicely nice. enabled with um, blockchain and, and and NFTs to maybe uh give you points every time you you know you walk your 10,000 steps so uh, we i think we need to get out of our a bit of our old ways of thinking but back to your key point you know the human relationship part the human touch piece can be super critical and i think we need to make sure we still Integrate that into, into medical edu- education, as well as start to educate clinicians of all types, from nurses to pharmacists to physicians to, to physical therapists, how to leverage some of these new emerging digital health tools, technologies, devices, because there's still a big gap between what we have now and what's being actively utilized in, in, the, in the outpatient world and the, the virtual world.
0: That's a really good point. You know, I two things, I guess I can see both sides of it. I don't, don't even know if I should bring this up. But when I was younger, living in Oklahoma, I went bull riding and I wound up in a hospital and the doctor, they all thought I should have a certain operation where I had stuff all over my chest, something with my heart. And I was just going to take it off, and I was going to get out of there. And the doctor, this older guy, came in and he started rubbing my feet, talking to me. And it just for some reason, I calmed down. I said, "Okay, whatever you need to do." I, I don't know how that. I, mean, I don't know what happened there. That's one side of it. But the other side of it is, I work remotely now. I'm connected to my team in these different ways. And uh, I still, you know, just a drop in a, a chat or whatever. Like you said, it's absolutely true. I can I can connect with my team that way. So that's really cool.
1: But you have a relationship with your team. Probably some of you met in person and there's probably that optimization. Sometimes it's fun to meet people. You've been talking for a year on Zoom and you finally (laughs) meet them there. Well, you're taller, shorter, fatter, wider than (laughs) I expected you to be. Um, But often the best combination, and that's back to this, you know, future of work element now is how many days in the office do you need with the blended virtual optimizes that. And I think for medical care, I think hopefully having that relationship with your Real human physical, let's say doctor, uh, enables the virtual elements to be much stronger and and to make those those ties more more capable and and impactful.
0: Well, I know you have a, an event where you bring people together as far as you know digital health and different things. I wonder if you could speak to that. Just talk a little bit about what you're working on now in my sort of role as an accidental futurist, it was always fun
1: to, you know, I'm trained in internal medicine and pediatrics and hematology, oncology, bone marrow transplant. So I've been to lots of specialty conferences, whether it's on, you know, general pediatrics to, you know, uh, the cutting edge of oncology or now, you know, now there's obviously medical device conferences and cardiology and, uh, you know, every, 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 every field has its own element, which is important, but I find the most interesting things happen at the interface uh, what's happening and where it meets technology and accelerating technologies: AI, robotics, 3D printing, nanotech, blockchain, CRISPR uh, to, to chatbots, to drones and beyond. All of those are often moving very, very quickly. So for ten years, I've, uh, I've built and curated and ran a conference called Exponential Medicine with the theme of understanding the pace of change. I mean, you know, sometimes things come faster than we might expect, sometimes slower, but arguably the world is accelerating in many ways and many folks in healthcare are practice incremental medicine <laughs> and uh things happen slower than they could covid has been a catalyst to accelerate uh us into this this a bit of this health age that being said uh it was pretty magical to bring 800 people from 43 countries i think last year to uh, last time we met pre-pandemic to kind of cross-fertilize and you learn from what's happening in NHS to what folks are doing in Australia. You see the next generation wearables or we had, for example, you know, the founder of Moderna there in 2015 before anyone heard of mRNA or uh the founders of Lavongo really early or folks doing cutting edge stuff with virtual reality for training folks on medical devices or doing um social connection. So that being said, uh, uh, that event is now uh, growing post-pandemic. It's going to be called Next Men Health. NextMed.Health is the website. It'll be March 13th to 16th at the iconic Hotel Del Coronado in San Diego, where we've run a prior events. The magic is you get to cross-fertilize with, you know, mavericks and instigators and clinicians and investors and patients and a whole mix of folks from from insurance companies and beyond. And that's really where the magic kind of happens, both the mixing of people fields and ideas and being exposed to what's cutting edge and what's likely to be here in the next two five ten fifteen years and so uh, we encourage anyone in your orbit uh to come check us out at nextmed.health and join us uh there we also bring in and select about 50 startups from small in the garage versions to to larger ones to do a hands-on innovation lab and we have a small startup competition as well but a lot of things have been sparked at our prior versions, so uh, would hope to see some of your uh folks there, and, and that brings us some of the elements of green light Girl you know, regulatory reimbursement. Yeah, <laughs> we had uh, for several years, the leadership from the FDA's digital team, uh, Bakul Patel, when he was there, and from coming to that experience and seeing someone what's next, help them design uh, software as a medical device, the pre check program, and, and now build that whole center for digital health excellence at the FDA. So often it's about bringing the right people together and, and helping spark the art of the possible. And, and the, the final point I'll make is that uh, um, that means we want to drive to more health globalization and health equity. And it's it's well beyond the tech part. How do we build the art and the science and the cross connections and the community that will be you know uh, able to collaborate across the traditional silos to to bring us a better future for healthcare around the planet.
0: And that's actually the point that I really was curious about. Uh, and before I get away from that, I'll include in the show notes, uh, a link to that NextMed health event. Definitely check that out. We'll put the link in the show notes and uh, you can go check that out. When you talk about those silos, because most physicians will call themselves one or the other, they're a cardiologist, they're an oncologist, they're this, they're that, they're specialists in that that field. How do you get that cross-pollinization? I mean, aside from events, I mean, a one-time thing, I, I know, and I've experienced the power of that that cross pollination, but how do you make that a continuous improvement practice where you really affect uh, healthcare across the industry?
1: Part of it is by you know showing examples of uh, what's 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 coming next. That often is at that interface. Obviously, a lot of the medical device world is now blending, as we talked about earlier, data, big data natural language processing, you know, to, to clean insights, whether it's about how to better market and communicate all the, all the way to the performance of, you know, devices that are, you know, crowdsourced uh, insights from around the world. Um, I think one of the things I love to do is like, you know, open people's eyes to the, the aha moment. Like, I had no idea this is here or it's already happening. And that kind of sparks, not just the creativity, but sometimes the inspiration that, wow, I could, we can could up-level our team or our product. Um, and also, it's a bit of often a bit of a mindset shift. We often have you know large hospital systems join us, big payers. Others that are often you know slower to to move. And uh, so I uh, there's this old quote that I love to share that you know the the uh, the, the the challenge isn't uh, the new ideas, but it's often escaping from the old ones. And you know, yeah, nature we often don't like to move the cheese, especially if it's your cheese. So how do you like get people to escape from their old mindsets that we still use fax machines and HIPAA is the best thing ever. Mm -hmm. And, uh, men devices should be done this way. I mean, now we have digital manufacturing. Now we have augmented reality. How do we, how do you take a medical device? And some of your colleagues may have built and leverage augmented reality to train people up faster or, uh, to, uh, use new forms of digital manufacturing to blend the device with pharma. I've, I've built a or uh, building a new company called IntelliMedicine, telemedicine.com, where uh, I've been uh, evolving the concept of digital manufacturing uh, or personalization of, of, I call them 3D printed personalized poly polypills, Intelemeds, where, you know, you want to be able to build the right pill with the right combination of doses for that patient and be able to print it on their kitchen counter in real time. So, you know, patients got polypharmacy because they're on three hypertensive meds and a statin and an antidepressant and something for the <laughs> diabetes. You know, people don't take those meds and don't often dose them appropriately. What if you could print that in one pill? So that's a bit of a combination of you know the future of printing a combination pill, but has to tie back to now using genomic information and wearable information to measure someone's blood pressure from their wrist and tweak their dosing or have a home-based lab that checks their INR for how thin their blood might be and enable them to print a new dose of Coumadin uh, or other blood thinner. So, uh, you know, sometimes it's, you show an example of that and go, ah, oh, wow, we have three things that we can do that could help that or uh, have something, you know, analogous. So it's, it's about the art of the possible and the human spirit. And we're also at the beach in San Diego, and we have San <laughs> and and bonfires and and even chocolate chaman ceremonies. So uh and How could you not be more creative? I, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's also like things that are completely out of people's normal wheelhouse. We've had Paul Stamitz there for a couple of sessions, who's kind of the, the guru of 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 mushrooms, meets medicine on some of the work that started out kind of, you know, psychedelic 60s, but now MDMA and uh another uh you know, old school compounds are now being going through clinical trials to show their impact on treating PTSD to uh, addictions and beyond really powerful shifts that are happening uh, across different industries and where they intersect.
0: Yeah, that's fantastic. I I love your quote about escaping the old ideas because I mean, you're absolutely right. I wonder if you have any specific examples from the pandemic, because I've heard, I've heard different people talk. I mean, I, I think we all know the Bad things that came from the pandemic and, and the COVID outbreaks and so forth. But there have been some silver linings and speed to market in different situations, provided you're still providing quality and effective devices, um, is definitely an advantage. But I wonder what you've seen as far as any, any benefits that you've seen, um, especially on this, today's topic of digital health. Sure. I mean, on the medical device side,
1: let's say, especially early in the pandemic, uh, there was a lot of uh, energy around ventilators and the shortage and how many we might need. And you saw incredible amounts of innovation pour into let's build you know, rapid, iterated, low-cost, portable, anyone can use ventilators. And while we thankfully didn't need as many as we were feared to need, that is hopefully going to drive next generation cheaper, more globally accessible, AI-enhanced uh things for ventil- ventilatory support, uh, particularly maybe emerging markets. So that might be one example of that catalyzed. And we also saw a lot of folks, 3D printing components. There's a couple of stories out of Italy where they saved a whole like CPAP modification and they were missing parts and they 3D printed them. And uh, the the company that they didn't ask for licensing permission was fine with it. Um, so that's a bit of, you know, catalyzing new people into the space when there's a key need. So uh, the, the, you know, The kind of chief innovation officers often been COVID in in, in this challenging time. So that was one piece. I think another area that has emerged, a big pain point still even, is is testing. Uh, Rapid testing uh, and low-cost testing took a long time to get to our pockets or our homes. Um, I've been, um, through the pandemic especially, uh, played a role sharing this XPRIZE Pandemic Alliance Task Force where we brought together 100 plus organizations to collaborate on addressing PPE, diagnostics, therapeutics, clinical trials, mental health, and beyond. And one of the prizes that we ran, I did with Jeff Huber, who's a former VP at Google, went on to becoming the founding CEO of Grail, which is doing early cancer diagnostics. We did a a, X prize for fast, frequent, cheap, and easy COVID testing, particularly the first year. It was just, you know, take you three days to get a result. Um, And so to make a long story short, uh, it was a uh, six million dollar X Prize. We had seven hundred and seven teams from seventy seven countries enter. Ended up with like two hundred finalists. We tested the testers, narrowed it down, and had nine pretty amazing winners. All kind of medical device meets diagnostics. Some of which are you know, very out of the box, like including you know smell cards that would enable the tester smelling with an app and you know find an early uh, problem. Others are using breath and other new versions of molecular diagnostics. Um, some of which are already in market, some are going through regulatory, and even if they aren't on the market yet, it catalyzed new ways of doing faster, cheaper, easier home-based diagnostics for infectious disease, and I argue for non-infectious diseases. And now, almost everyone's done some home-based diagnostic test that was kind of unheard of pre-pandemic, and we can think of all the other diagnostics and devices that will now live in our homes as we go from hospital to home or hospital to hospital. that are really going to shift how and where we do healthcare.
0: The the thing that blows me away every time that I hear you talk, Daniel, is your ability to lateral think. Yeah, I mean, all these different industries. I mean, you're tying them in. It's oh well, what if we take that here and put this here? I'm curious. I just don't even know how you have time to even understand or view all these other industries. What what's you? I don't know if you have a secret, but <laughs> uh,
1: the thing that I, I mean, I think anybody could do this. Is just keep your eyes, you know, take your blinders off a little bit. Of course, everybody has to get their... Often their specialty degree, their MD, their PhD, their master's, they, you know, you need to do one field relatively well and do it well, but it's much more fun to find collaborators to in in, in aligned elements or have a brown bag lunch at your pharma or med device company where you uh, share your latest favorite medical gadget or app or something, uh, you know, bring in your new VR headset with a new uh, health video game. Like I spent a hundred days early in the pandemic uh, on my Oculus headset doing Supernatural, <laughs> which is this pretty amazing, you know, fun video game where you're swatting balls on mountains and on beaches. And it, it, what was fun about that was it kept you engaged because you could compete with your friends. It would also track your heart rate on your medical device on your wrist, and it would uh, gamify the whole process. And I could also, looking at my data from my wearable, show that having done that for three months, my resting heart rate went down by like six points. Wow. Uh, some measurement of of health, but, you know, that was cool for me. Uh, Maybe I don't want to show that to someone who wants to get engaged in working out or who wants to explore virtual reality or augmented reality or extended reality as a way to uh, collaborate in the medical device space for, you know, sending 3d files and playing them around and uh, what you call that?
0: All Uh, the different (laughs) to,
1: to medical training as companies like, Oso VR have done where now surgeons go in the VR headset and they pick up the medical devices and they, can train on a particular patient and, and learn a whole new set of skills. And now the data shows that those folks, you know, are faster to learn, maintain that better and have better outcomes. So those are some of those shifts. So lateral thinking means also just trying new things and staying uh, cr- uh curious, but also sharing that with others. And so you can get that from Twitter feeds. You can follow me at Daniel underscore craft. You can go to nextmen.health You can come to my platform, digital.health, which is a, a bit of a platform for exploring what's already here. Um so
0: and I looked uh, you go ahead. yeah I didn't mean to interrupt you. I looked at uh, digital health the platform. Can you talk to us a little bit about that and, and you know maybe how some different um uh, how, how we can use that to uh, sure. maybe collaborate a little bit.
1: Well, I think we we zoom back at the beginning like I think all of us in the medical device space or healthcare innovation in general we want to solve problems, right? Uh and sometimes big hairy problems. And it's always fun to see a problem in an unmet need and try and solve it. Sometimes it's device related. In other words, my pain point was like, you know, people would send me all sorts of new gadgets and wearables. I've got a stack of things <laughs> in my drawer or in my, I call it my digital block, the doctor's bag. Um, but I often would uh, you know, see emerging technologies and think they were great, and I'd be surprised that no one else knew about them. So as a small example, yesterday I um went to visit the headquarters of uh, a live core. Uh, I know the founder, Dave Albert, who invented this, it's a small little EKG that uh, would sync with your phone and show you could do a two lead EKG and now a six lead EKG started out as a bit of a crazy idea, kind of <laughs> caught on. Now there are ads for it on CNN or the Super Bowl um, And, you know, but still, I meet people, cardiologists included, who have never heard of that technology or who, uh, who are still using old school stethoscopes when now there are digital stethoscopes or $2,000 pocket ultrasound devices like the ones from Butterfly or Echo. And so, there's so much out there, including you know, thousands of apps. So, I was lucky to get the, the website domain digital.health, it's easy to <laughs> remember, and uh. Then building that out as a platform to understand and uh, the digital health landscape, mostly for clinicians to start from the regulatory elements to funding to journals and evidence. But a core component is a database of now over 1,600 uh, digital health companies and their solutions. So you could put in atrial fibrillation and find. Live core and look at their versions of the devices and how people might have ranked them and videos and link to the site and put it in your own personal digital health formulary or as a clinician prescribe that to your patient who might have AFib or other cardiac issues. Um, you might have uh, put in depression and find apps like Headspace or others that are very specific to leveraging digital mental health for everything from PTSD to to ADHD. Uh, it could be elements around every, every everything from wound care uh, to how do you run your operating room and 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 or manage your staff. So there's just a ton of solutions out there in the digital health landscape. Some of them are diagnostics, some of them are therapeutics, some of them are practice management, some of them are clinical trials based. And so um, we're building that as a bit of a home to help folks discover those and hopefully leverage them and start to integrate them into their workflow and 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 patient care and and healthcare in general.
0: That's great. And I don't know if this is a misuse of the, of your, your core, but if it's primarily com- clinicians, if I could talk today, if it's primary clinicians, I can almost see the benefit too of, of going in there because there is a community aspect of that, the ability to talk to each other as well. Um, you know, find out missing needs or, you know, unmet needs, I suppose in the market too. So that's, yeah.
1: Well, I mean, clinicians is, is a broad subset, you know, everything yeah. from Pharmacist to a physical therapist, Uh, but also it's a a resource for anybody. I mean, medical device, I I probably more than half of the things in our current database are a medical device component. There's a wearable, but the app or some sort of other sensor or something that integrates with digital manufacturing. So it's pretty, I, I would say, medical device heavy, actually. There's not as many apps, you know, it's pure apps, it's things that are are blending software, device, uh, AI, et cetera. So please check it out. And by the way, if you have a, your company and a solution that might match, you can enter it into the database yourself. You submit your company, then you add the solution sets that you have and people can find it. And so uh, it's still a very early uh, project. So we'd love any feedback or ideas or potential partners or, or collaborations.
0: Great. We'll put a link in the show notes as well so that people can find that digital.health. It's not too hard. Um, that was great, man. How did you do that?
1: We should make, by the way, we should make, uh, collaborate on med device. Digital health or any other versions. Uh, we can build up substacks stacks around cardiology. Digital health, or any other realm. So there's lots of ways to, to hyper-personalize this depending on who you are as a user. And the end goal is that when I prescribe that connected medical device, let's say something is common is hypertension, right? We're still, it's so hard to manage hypertension. There are connected blood pressure cups that have been out for a while. What if I could go to digital health and prescribe that to my patient, shows up in the mail the next day. It automatically then syncs with my clinical workflow, my EMR. I don't want to see every blood pressure from you, but if you're running 20 points too high or 20 points too low, I would like to get a little ping and maybe it instigates me or my medical staff to call the patient and tweak their blood pressure meds or adjust their... 3D and telemedicine printer to print the right uh, combination of beta blocker, calcium channel blocker. And, and uh, <laughs> you know, you know, that, that, that's where these things should merge. We did, a lot of devices, apps, etc. are very siloed and fragmented. I think we're going to see a lot more consolidation in the next few years, right? Because all these point solutions can't exist separately. You don't want a separate device or app for every medical condition. We kind of want the one ring to rule them all and to make more uh, holistic sense of this.
0: Yeah, and I guess you mentioned the futures here. I guess that one ring to rule them all at the moment might be our iPhone. I don't know what that looks like in the future. Do you have any thoughts on what the future looks like? I mean, you already mentioned the futures here, and you've talked a lot about the different possibilities, but...
1: Well, you know, we all want to have uh, personalized medicine, precision medicine. It's called precision health and wellness as well. That's a whole other emerging market to keep people healthy and then longer, healthier health spans, not just lifespans. Um, and we know that a lot of our bad healthcare outcomes are driven by our bad behaviors. Um, uh, and now we can start to measure those in different ways. And we don't want to be big brother and have everybody always tracked. though, know, some people definitely engage with that. Uh, I think a lot of these digital health type solutions today are still somewhat one size fits all. The user interface doesn't change much based on age, culture, language, and And I would say in the next five or 10 years, we'll each have the opportunity to have our own kind of personal health coach and bubble, right? It might be driven from our smart watch, our smart home, our smart speakers, things that can follow us. It might not have to be living on any one physical type device, but it will be integrating elements from our virtual meetings, to our voice as a biomarker, to the labs that we can do, to our connected toilets, to our diets that we can, uh, you know, <laughs> your, your fridge will cheat on you and tell you what, when you mistake that uh, ice cream at two in the morning. Um, but then it's not just going to collect all that data because we already know we're supposed to exercise more and eat less, right? It might present that to you in a way that's very contextual to you. It might be your, a version of your digital mother if that's who you respond to. It might be Einstein. It might be your personal doctor. It might be an avatar. It might be the right kind of voice. It, it will, um, you know, show you that information in the context that you're going to respond to, not the information but the insights. Because you know a lot of the devices today show you your sleep patterns, but you want, often want that score. Or what I like to think about more as your kind of, um, synthesized sort of, you know, FICO score for your health that integrates your vitals, your labs, your financial health, your sexual health, your sexual connection, your social connections, (laughs) maybe (laughs) your sexual connections, that has a role, uh, you know, the, the local environment, your exposome, you know, all those things, you know, health is complex and, um, I think the ability now to make that hyper personalized how we connect with that not just when we're in the sick care modality can make a big difference.
0: Yeah, it, I've seen the example used too where you know you're trying to present that in such a way maybe even looking at a mirror and it'll show you an aged version of yourself for example or something like that. I mean there's so many different ways it's done. Um, feature,
1: you, feature you. I mean and for the men device folks out there you know everyone makes these great little animations of the of the stent and the thing going in there but now there's the opportunity to take that device or a medical issue and show that in the context of the same patient, you can show them uh, a non reality t-shirt and what's happening with hypertension impacting their kidneys or their brain that might make folks much more engaged in their care going forward when they kind of get a picture of that. So um, I think we will have this future you element uh, uh, emerge and that's gonna help uh, drive a lot of engagement because the new drug is the empowered engaged individual who doesn't feel like they have to wait to go to Dr. Welby for their care, but they're part of their care team as well. And they have a responsibility to sort of be on top of their, not just their data, but even sharing that data. So one little pivot point here, which is part of this future medicine, I think, is that yeah. is that you know most of our care today is driven by 10 year old, double blind, placebo controlled trials, you know, framing ham data, you know, around managing everything from, uh, you know, cardiovascular risk to, uh, to, to, using aspirin or statins, uh, that's driven by a, a pretty small cohort of, you know, mostly European, Caucasian, often nurses in Western Massachusetts and it right? Now we're in an era of much more diversity or an opportunity to pull data and insights from much more heterogeneous populations. Um, there's the All of Us trial, allofus.nih.gov, where you can sign up to be a data donor, share your medical records, your genomics, your wearable data bottom line, we are starting to crowdsource a lot more, of health information. And that can really drive us to this era of, you know, much more individualized care. I want to know patients like me or patients like mine, when I'm seeing them in front of me in the clinic or on the screen, that I'm not just going back to some, you know, double blind placebo controlled trial on some very narrow subset with no comorbidities, but I can see thousands of other patients who have inflammatory bowel disease who failed first line therapy, who also have type two diabetes or, um, I'm managing someone with, uh, I don't know, uh, some skin condition, and I can learn from others like them with similar genotypes who uh, might respond to drug X or therapy Y or a digital therapeutic and get much more real-time insights. So I like to think of that more as like the Google Maps or ways of healthcare where we're sharing our insights in privacy-protected ways, but we can build better hyper-personalized local maps for your healthcare journey um, that will also help inform others.
0: Man, that's fantastic. And we'll put links in in the show notes as well of that. Was it allofus.gov?
1: Allofus.nih.gov, I believe. Double check.
0: Yeah, Yeah, I'll check it out.
1: Another company that's interesting that's doing that, it was actually founded by one of the founding team members of Waze, is a a company called StuffThatWorks.Health. And they're now to like 4 million plus people sharing what's working and not working, from everything from plantar fasciitis to cardiac issues to long COVID to cancer and building a bit of an insight map. That is going to be, I think, uh, an example of what will really help drive the future of healthcare so that um, we're going to get just-in-time updated information from, from others that you can use as a clinician or a device developer to truly build solutions that and, and therapies that match right time, right person, right place, right dose, all those sort of uh, uh, ways to, to optimize uh, and match care to the individual.
0: Man, that's fantastic. I mean, I feel like I have so many ideas already every t- after talking to you. It's kind of like walking through the woods, you look at a log, and you're like, "Well, there's nothing there." And then Daniel Kraft comes and flips it over and' like, "Wow, there's so much life here. <laughs> you have know, so many different opportunities. What is one thing you know that that the different developers and the different people listening can do? Maybe it's the data donor, I don't know, but what, what's the one thing you recommend or could give advice to say this is an action that we can take um, you know, to, just to improve the future as well?
1: Well, part is, you know, don't wait for the future to arrive. I mean, it is that yeah. you can go on digital.health and many other places and find solutions that might match a need that you have or a family member or a community member. And, you know, some of them may not be through all the regulatory hoops yet or been fully baked, uh, but you can uh, sometimes buy those a Kickstarter, right? Uh, it might be, uh, you know, lots of examples, but you might... Might have hypertension, and maybe you should just go out and buy that thirty dollars connected blood pressure cuff at Best Buy or on Amazon, and try and get that data to your doctor, who might be reticent to see it. But if you're starting to say, "Wow, this is available," why are you not using it as a clinician? Uh, That might help catalyze again more uptake and utility.
0: Uh, Own your health, yeah.
1: Own your own health, but also you know be a little bit of an early adopter. Nothing's going to be perfect; everything's going to emerge. So uh, you know, I think that's one way to help bring the future faster, and then inside your own companies, you know, maybe have a a once a month brown bag lunch where you bring in folks from outside the industry. You know, we can learn from folks who are doing video games. Uh, Actually, I just invested in a company that's, uh, I have a new venture, small seed stage venture fund called Continuum Health Ventures. Um, We've invested in a company called DeepWell, built by some of the icons of the video game world with a guy from the medical device world. And they're building video games for mental health, uh, kind of sneaking into mental health on these you know, yes. massive game. So that's, you know, video games and healthcare and devices. Like, yeah, now we have Achille Health, which just had their IPO uh, this fall. Uh, that is uh, the first FDA cleared video game for treating ADHD. And there'll be other examples of that. So, uh, you know, it could be from the game and how to game people to, to stick with their medical regimens. Uh, bring in someone who is doing design thinking. Obviously, a lot of folks do design a medical device, but, you know, could you bring someone from a different industry from automotive? Or I'm a pilot, I love aviation. I served as a flight surgeon in the Air National Guard, flying in fighter jets. What lessons can we take from aviation, which is a great example and already been overused, I think, in healthcare, checklists, flight simulators to medical simulators. But you know, how do you bring in other thinking and, and individuals and mindsets into your own organization, into your orbit that help spark those kind of cross connections as a roast, as opposed to this is how we've done it for 20 years and uh that's where
0: we're going to keep doing it. That's fantastic. Well, I feel like that's kind of a mic drop right there. You know, you gave a lot of good insights, a lot of good advice. Where can people find you? I think you already mentioned your Twitter account. Is that the best place? Easy place. Go to danielcraftmd.net and you can sign up
1: for my newsletter. About once a week, I try and put together a a little like, here's the cutting edge of what I'm seeing in health and medicine across the continuum. And a lot of those relate to to medical devices and and beyond. Check out nextmed.health and come join us. In March, and we'll also have virtual events. It's not going to be just a once-a-year conference. It's 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 going to be built. It's being built as a innovation platform to keep people cross-connecting and learning, and and hopefully catalyzing and reimagining the future of health and biomedicine. So those would be two places, and we'd love your partnership on on digital and, uh, and the other endeavors that that are again at
0: the interface of health, medicine, technology, people, and ideas. Great. Well, that's good. We'll put links in the show notes for everybody. Those of you who've been listening, you've been listening to the Global Medical Device podcast. Um, Really appreciate it. Hope to see everybody in March, and we will see you all next time. Take care, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. Just a few of the points I took away from the conversation were, number one, the human side of medicine is never going away, but we're nearing the metaverse, the M-E-D-I-verse. And it's important to pursue education on how those devices can improve patient outcome. When I say education, understanding what's out there so that the device that you are working on, knowing how it can integrate with other devices and work together to improve overall patient outcomes. And number two, while the potential is still great, the future is here. We need to be owning our health, going to websites such as that I've put in the show notes to learn what your options are for preventive medicine. We're living through the transition from sick care to health care, but it's only going to happen for you if you take ownership. And I think as a medtech professional, it's really interesting to be able to see very easily all the different types of technology that is out there and to understand how arts fits in. One of my favorite tidbits was when Daniel was talking about the lateral thinking and how you can achieve so much more breadth of knowledge if you start having those brown bag lunches with other departments and other companies, other industries. So good. If you enjoyed this episode, reach out to Daniel on LinkedIn and let him know. Also, I'd personally love to hear from you via email. What future topics would you like to hear about? Shoot me an email, etienne.nichols at greenlight.guru, or look me up on LinkedIn. You can learn all about what we do if you head over to www.greenlight.guru. Not only do we have an award-winning software solution for the medtech industry, we've built a community and an academy where you can go to join the conversation or learn more about the things we discuss on the podcast. You can find those at community.greenlight.guru or academy.greenlight.guru. Finally, if you enjoyed this show, please consider leaving us a review on iTunes. It helps others find us. It also lets us know how we're doing. Really appreciate it. Thanks, everybody. Have a great week. Improving the quality of life. I know we say it a lot here at Greenlight Grew, and I'll bet it's something you probably said at your company too. We help babies breathe at night. We give you another day to be a dad. We give you back your eyesight. Those are some of the things the medical device industry and our customers are able to say because that's what they're doing. They're improving the quality of life for these individuals. Greenlight Guru is the only quality management software designed exclusively for the medical device industry. We built our software around standards like ISO 1345 and risk-based principles to help you bring safer devices to market three times faster. We're building the tools that will make it easier for you to build yours. If you're ready to find out how to improve the quality of life, contact Greenlight.guru today.